You're listening to a live recording from Westside Church in Bend, Oregon. Thanks for joining us. Well, hey, everybody. It's so good to have you with us today. I turned 50 on Friday. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Um, thanks for all the thanks and everything on social media. But when I read every single message, they all said the same thing. Happy birthday. You're old. <laughs> That's how it feels. Uh, anyways, well, Christmas Eve, um, I'm so excited for Christmas Eve. It's coming up. It will be on demand this year. So we're producing a short inspirational service uh, online that will include uh, Christmas carols, a message, and uh, most importantly, what I do every year, a uh, reading, a Christmas story reading to our children. And so you can watch anytime during that day on Christmas Eve uh, that works for you or your home church, your family and friends. Um, it won't be usually what we do, right? But I think it'll be a beautiful time for us uh, as, a, as we celebrate Christmas at home. Well, I've always loved the holidays, uh, the celebration, the family and friends, the lights, the Christmas tree. I get, I've, I've always gotten really into Christmas. And, uh, but the past few years have been a bit more weighty uh, than wonderful, to be honest, and something to get through rather than something to enjoy. And today I want to talk about um, how we restore the wonder of this Christmas season through vulnerability. Um, through vulnerability. And whenever we think about vulnerability, and certainly whenever I talk about vulnerability, it's almost always serious and sad. It's like heavy, and, and I have plenty of serious and sad in my life, as I'm sure you do as well. Um, and so I decided, I felt like God wanted me to go the other way. I want to share some stories uh, on the other side of vulnerability, a couple of my most embarrassing moments in my entire life life. And you might be asking, why in the world would he do this to himself? Well, I'm 50, so it's all just downhill from here anyway. So let's just go for it. Uh, Dr. Swoboda talked last week about uh, how we Thomas Kincaid, the Christmas nativity, um, and we do that with our lives too. You know, we, social media, I think, exists just to like prop up the best side of our, ourselves to kind of hide the real you. And so, so before we look at the real and raw of Christmas, I'm going to show you the real and raw of Steve, things that I've never shared shared publicly ever before today. <laughs> this is so dangerous. This is risky. And you're going to know why I've never shared them publicly in just a moment. So here's the first one. So I was, um, I was out with my boys and my wife. We were uh, on a walk in Old Mill, which is, uh, if you're not from Ben, it's this kind of this shopping area, but it was a river, part of the river trail that goes along the Deschutes River. And uh, it's right by this tunnel. It's called the Tunnel of Joy, actually. I didn't know that until I researched this a little bit. <laughs> and, uh, and so I'm with my, my two oldest are in high school. So they're, they're, all my four boys were with us and they were pretty young. And, and I, I really wanted to impress them. And so as we're walking along this pathway, we get to this tunnel. We have a picture of it. So I just want to show you guys so you kind of have an idea of with this. So that's the, that's the actual tunnel. So what I did, because I really wanted to impress them, is I, is I figured out how to climb up on the rocks just on the left-hand side and jump over and grab the top of that tunnel, that lip, that ledge. You see that? And, and, I, and I scooted all the way over to the middle. And then I don't know what happened. I'm not sure what like went on in my brain, but I started to freak out. Like I was on, on top of a roof 20 feet high or something. And I'm like, I'm up there and I'm thinking, I'm not going to be able to get down. <laughs> and so the, my boys are all standing around and I'm, I'm like, guys, get me. Somebody like grab me. I can't. And they're like, dad, just let go. 
And I'm like, no, it's too far. It's too far. Show the picture one more time. I just want you to get the perspective of this. Go ahead. That is just not that high, you know? And I am freaking out finally. My son Chase, I mean, I'm getting mad at my boys. for not, not, They're just all laughing at me. They're not helping me. And finally, my son gra- Chase grabs me. You know where he grabs me? I mean, he's on the ground. He grabs me at the waist. <laughs> oh, my gosh. They still talk about it to this day. They make fun of me. Like, Dad, you remember that time? <laughs> Okay, that's, 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 I eased into it, uh, to the second story. This one you will not believe. So, my wife and her brother, uh, one summer during college, drove up to Alaska uh, to earn some money uh, up there. And so, um, um, we had dropped uh, my brother-in-law off uh, at, a, at, a, uh, at a job site, and he was going to look into it for us. And Suzanne and I were going to another job site. And on our way there, and it was a really remote area, on our way there, uh, we're driving Suzanne's car, and uh, a a tire went flat. And um, I never, up to that point, I'd never changed a tire in my life. I didn't know what to do. My my dad fell down on the job, I guess, when I was a kid, and so I just didn't know how to do it. So so I'm kind of a manual guy, so I really like manuals. And so I got the manual out because I didn't, I didn't know anything. I didn't know like where to find the jack and you know how to take off the tire, nothing. So, so I'm, I got the manual out and I, and, I, and I like to follow the manual. And so I start to kind of just follow it step by step. Now, you need to know this. Suzanne and I were fighting uh, up just right before this happened. And so we weren't really talking to each other. And so the, then the tire goes flat. It's a perfect storm. And so um, I start to change the tire as I'm looking at the manual. And Suzanne mutters, just kind of under her breath, just loud enough for me to hear it, I don't think you're doing it right. I'm like, I didn't tell her to shut up or anything like that. It came across my mind, but I just ignored her. I said, I got this, you know, and I keep changing the tire. She says it again. I don't think you're doing it right. And I'm like, I'm following the directions. I'm doing this right. I know I'm never done, but I'm doing this right. I'm following the manual. Get the tire off. And then I realize the picture in the manual showed the right front tire being taken off the car. My left front tire was flat, but I took off the right front tire because the manual told me to. Dirk, who does this? This is, who does this? And so anyway, yeah. And so of course my wife was right. And I was like, yeah, thanks so much. And so I, I got a lot of practice that day on changing the tire. All of you, the, the, the crowd here, everybody online, I just you to let you know, the crowd in here is completely silent. They are just astonished right now that that would happen. <laughs> so there it is. Those are two of my most embarrassing stories. You will never, ever know my most embarrassing story in my life. Ever. That will not happen. So, in his book, Honest Advent, uh, by Scott Erickson, he writes these words about Christmas. We need something honest, something real, something with some human grit and a little less green and red in it. Isaiah chapter 9, we're going to read and kind of talk a little bit about this passage today. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6 it's a prophecy about Jesus, his birth, his coming, the Messiah, the incarnation. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. And his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. 
three things that I wanna focus in on in this passage today. And the first is this, that a baby was born. Baby was born. In essence, Christmas is a birthday party. Uh, the unusual thing, though, about this birthday party is that usually the, you expect to see the birthday boy at the party, but he isn't here. He's in heaven, right? And so we've created traditions to help us see Jesus, the lights, the trees, the gifts, the service, music, the nativity. Um, and yet it's possible to lose Jesus in those same traditions if we focus on the traditions more than on the simple wonder that Christmas is about the birth of a child. I want you to imagine, I want you to imagine two women meeting for the first time, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Eve, the mother of humanity. Sister Grace Remington, she painted a picture of this imagined meeting called Mary and Eve. And there's so much in this painting for us to ponder but I want you to look at their faces. I want you to, to kind of see what's going on in, the, in their expressions. And, and I don't know what you see in Eve's face, but I see a little bit of regret, a little bit of sorrow for maybe the pain that she and Adam have caused to humanity, but not just metaphorical pain. I think she's, she knows the real pain that Mary will endure in giving birth to this child because one of the consequences of Adam and Eve's sin was pain in childbirth, right? But it's also death. I think, I think both of them, right, both of them experienced the loss of a son. And so there's some kind of connection in that, that part of humanity. And I, and I love that Mary places the hand of Eve on, on her belly to let her feel hope growing in her womb but to also share in this reality that, that they both will lose children too early. And, I, and this Mary's face is full of compassion and hope, like everything is going to be okay. I just, I just think it's a beautiful kind of imagery to wonder about the simple fact that a baby was born to a mother. I'll never know, um, even though I've had four sons, I will know, never know what the relationship is like between a mother and the child growing inside of her. I will never know the pain of giving birth to that child and then the pain of losing a child to whom you've given birth. Although my wife and I have experienced a miscarriage, I'll never know the deeper pain of a, of a mother who experiences a miscarriage. See, every pregnancy has its risks, its own set of vulnerabilities. And I don't know about you, but I had never thought about that in light of the Christmas story. I never thought about that God risked himself by taking on that vulnerability, that vulnerable position of being a baby in a mother's womb. So amazing to what all of this says to me and to us about God. He, he could have come to earth any way that he chose. He chooses childbirth. He literally puts his life into the hands of a human. Not just in his birth, but in his growing up years. What does it say about his willingness to connect with us? Erickson writes in his book that God came to us floating in embryonic fluid slowly forming and taking shape 
embedded in the uterine wall of a Middle Eastern teenage woman it trusted to care for its fragile knitting process. See, God comes to us in our own vulnerabilities, and I think that's absolutely filled with wonder. He took on flesh. He, he was a baby held in, his, in the arms of his mother. He was a refugee in Egypt for, several, for the first few years of his life. He was, he was a pubescent teenager. I mean, think about that for a moment. It's just strange to think of God in this way. But it's the full orb of his humanity that is part of the wonder of this Christmas story. Granted, he probably had more common sense than I do, but, but still he came as one of us. He probably didn't try to impress people like I have, but he was one of us. He embodied and accepted the splendor and brokenness of our human condition. Oh, the wonder and beauty of that reality. God came as one of us. Second thing I want us to see in this passage in Isaiah is that this child will be called Mighty God. Yes, Mighty God. Jesus comes as our conquering hero, you know, taking down devils and making wine at parties. I mean, that's the kind of God I want to follow. Mighty God. But is that really what, what is being referred to in Isaiah? You know, the Bible actually says that there was nothing about the physical characteristics of Jesus that made him stand out from other Jewish men of his day. He came, the Bible says, as a lamb led to the slaughter. He came as a suffering servant. Those are some of the imagery, some of the metaphors of who Jesus was. Um, there's this Superman comic, uh, and I, I love Superman, that Alex Ross illustrated called Superman Peace on Earth. And uh, I think we got it, there, there's the cover. Superman, if you read it, you know, you just, you, it, of course I did, because I just, I love Superman, but it shows Superman trying to, uh, he, he's trying to solve world hunger, which of course he can't. The problem isn't his strength, he's got enough of that. The problem isn't that a distribution issue, he could f figure that out. The problem isn't that there's, even that there isn't enough food. The problem is what? Us. The human heart that tends toward greed and selfishness. and See, all of us need a mighty God, someone who can take my faults, my sin, my brokenness, and mend them. See, I don't think Jesus was strong physically. He was strong spiritually that he could take our sin upon his shoulders. When Isaiah calls this child, this baby, a mighty God, we see that he is mighty not because of his ability to overcome hardship, but because of his willingness to endure human hardship. It's in that humility and vulnerability that echoes his greatness. It's his compassion and empathy that has the power to transform the human heart. Paul tells us in Philippians chapter two. About what Jesus did in this moment of his, of, of, of his coming and his mightiness combined together in verse eight of chapter two of Philippians being found in human form. He humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him. He, it's almost like he becomes mightier because of his humility, because of his self-denial and bestowed on him the name that is above every name so that at that name, the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. He is a mighty God, not because of his physical prowess, but because of his humility and willingness to obey even to the point of suffering for us. This is what caused him to be exalted above all else. Not just his strength, but his humility. The last thing I want to touch on in this Isaiah passage is that this child will be called the everlasting father. Jesus says in Revelation about himself in Revelation chapter 1 that I am the alpha and the omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come the Almighty. You know, I, I don't know about you, but I've obsessed in my life with wanting to know and trying to control the narrative of my life. I want, I want to know the end and the beginning. I want to know what, what's going to happen tomorrow. I want to, and I want to try to control everything that takes place in our lives, but we can't even control the weather or whether that guy is going to call a second time for a date, or the teen our teenage kids' choices. We can't control our job security. We certainly can't control when we will die. See, on one hand, this can be totally frightening and completely the unknown of it all. Like, uh, I'm so terrified. But, but for this fact, that we believe that God himself came as a little baby in the flesh as one of us, died as one of us, came back to life as one of us, and is at the right hand of the Father right now as one of us, and has prepared a place for all of us. He is not only the one who was, who has existed for all time, but he's also the one who is, the one that is present in this moment, but he's also the one to come. He has seen the end and the beginning. He has seen your end. That actually should bring all of us great comfort knowing that a God who loved us enough to come in the flesh, to be with us, to, to walk in our shoes, to carry our burdens, sees our future, knows where this world is going. He is mighty to save. He was born as one of us. See, this is Advent. This is the anticipation of a coming reunion. And Jesus is on the other side of all of your unknowns. He's on the other side of all your brokenness. He is waiting for us on the other side of our pain. We are perpetually in an Advent season awaiting for the ultimate coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And I don't, know, I don't know your story or how you're feeling about this present moment, this Christmas season where we're at in this world, but would you look past the glitz and glamour of how our culture celebrates Christmas and remember what really happened? 
A baby was born unto us. God came to us and is still with us. His birth represents that there is always hope. No matter how dark life gets, no matter how hard life becomes, no matter how weary you are or how broken you feel or how much common sense you have or don't have, would you with me this Christmas sit again at the feet of a manger and wonder about what it means to you and to your family and to our community that God came and took on flesh, took on our vulnerabilities, was carried in a mother's womb, nursed at a mother's breast, and lived in our broken world. Oh, how he must love us. See, once we push past all the wonderful traditions of this Christmas season, I hope you see this one truth in it all, that God loves you deeply, willing to do whatever it takes to reconnect him with us. See, God loves the whole world, and if you've never received his love, would you right now, would you just simply tell him, God, I receive your love. I embrace your love. I receive your gift given. I believe in you. I believe that Jesus came as you and died for me so that I could have life with you. God, we fall on our knees in wonder that a baby was born unto us and that he would be our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our everlasting father and our prince of peace. Jesus, we need you. Jesus, our world needs your coming now more than ever. Break into our world, God, once again with your grace and your power. Restore unto us the joy of your salvation. Help us to live in the wonder of the Christmas story like it was the first time we heard it. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, thank you for joining us on this uh, Two weeks from Christmas Sunday, as we continue to prepare our hearts for Christmas at home, may you experience the wonder and beauty of this season. Have a great week, everyone.